Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. Northern Kentucky stayed tied for first in the horizon after a strong second half powered the Norse to a 65-52 road win at Robert Morris. Marquez Warwick led the way for NKU with 21 points, and Chris Brandon posted a double-double with 10 points and 12 rebounds. Robert Morris kept it close, but late in the second half, the Norse went on a run to pull away and win the game. Elsewhere in the horizon, in what was maybe the most thrilling college basketball game of the day, Wright State lost to Youngstown State 91-89 on a buzzer-beating layup in triple overtime. The Raiders had tied it up at 89 with 6.2 seconds remaining, but Dwayne Cohill took the inbounds pass and went coast-to-coast to win it for the Penguins. Trey Calvin left it all on the floor for Wright State, scoring 44 points in the game. The win kept Youngstown State tied with Milwaukee and Northern Kentucky in first place in the Horizon League. It's time for the weekend preview, and Cincinnati is the first local game of the weekend, tipping off at noon at Fifth Third Arena against UCF. To talk more about the Bearcats, I brought on Justin Williams of The Athletic. Justin Williams, it's been a while since we've caught up, so it's great to talk with you today. Cincinnati sitting right now at 15-8 and eight overall on the season, 6-4 and four in the AAC. One last night, or well, as people listen to this, it would be two nights ago, 81 to 55 over Tulsa. That snapped a short two-game losing streak against Memphis and Houston for Cincinnati. But right now, uh, Justin, the Bearcats aren't tracking to make the NCAA tournament via an at-large berth. They could, of course, win their conference tournament, win the AAC, but they're not looking right now like they're going to get an at-large berth. So where does this team stand, and what is Cincinnati looking to get out of this month of February? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what Wes Miller's been talking about his two years at Cincinnati now, which is just consistency. And I think you're starting to see more of that. If you're looking at the metrics and, and how this team has performed, um, the, the biggest hurdle they still need to clear is this year, especially they need to get some quality wins. You know, they have, they don't have any Q one wins this year. They only have a single Q one win in, in West Miller's two years, going back to that Illinois uh, upset last year in non-conference play. Um, they have a couple opportunities, you know, they have UCF at home this weekend, uh, Tulane on the road next week. Those are Q2 games as things stand right now. And I think later in the year at UCF at Memphis, those are some Q1 opportunities. This team just has not kind of gotten a, a quality win or, or a signature win this season. And they almost had it, you know, this past weekend against Houston where, you know, they played the best 30 minutes they played all season. And then Houston turns it on. Jairus Walker pops off and they end up blowing a, a double digit lead in the second half. So there are signs of progress. There's signs of improvement for Cincinnati. Uh, and even in that game against Houston, that ends up being a loss. You can take a lot of positives away, but what this team needs and, and honestly what the fan base really wants to see from them is, play a game against a better opponent or an equal opponent and be able to come out with a victory because that's just something they haven't been able to do this season. Hey, you mentioned the quad one games. You see one, the first quad one game they had under Wes Miller against Illinois last year and now have lost 12 straight since. So when it boils down to winning the big games and you talk about the moral victories, you talk about the positive things that you see is looking for out of this year before they go into the big 12 next year, which is the best basketball conference in the country. What are some of the things that need to happen to close out those close games? 
part of its mentality. Like, you know, it, it felt like every game they went into this season against a better opponent, they, they came out early and whether they were, you know, scared or flat or whatever, they just they dug themselves a big hole. Happened in that Xavier game, the Crosstown shootout. They end up clawing all the way back and tying it late in the game, but they were down double digits in the first half. Same against Arizona. They did it against uh, Memphis a couple weeks ago. The Houston game was different. They came out and took it right to Houston on the road against the number three team in the country. Uh, They were up by 11 with 11 minutes left in the game and you know it's even tough to call it a collapse they just they started missing some shots Houston hit some tough shots but at least you saw a a little bit of a change for Cincinnati where they came out strong and played well against a good team and so I think that was just kind of you know one checkpoint they hit now they need to go and do it against the team and and sustain it for 40 minutes they they can't come out flat and dig themselves a hole and then they can't kind of let off the, the gas or fall apart at all you know, over the final few minutes and make it a loss. So again, these are all things that when you're part of a rebuild, yeah, it might seem like a moral victory or it might seem like, um, oh, you're just trying to pull positives out of a loss. And that's true, but that's, you know, that's what you have when when, when you're in a rebuild with, with a, a coach who's in his second season. Like everyone knew what Wes Miller was up against when he was coming in. And I think we're seeing now just how difficult and challenging that process can be. But as long as they can keep moving in the right direction, then I think you'll start to see, okay, now it's not just them playing well for 30 minutes. Now they're able to, to get a win against a quality opponent. Uh, and so I think over the next couple you know, weeks here at the end of this season, they really need to see that happen because as as I've talked about and you kind of alluded to, going to the Big 12 next year, it's, it's only going to get harder even if the team gets better. So you want to try and just take as many positives as you can away from this year, no matter what that ends up looking like in terms of postseason conference tournament, anything like that. Personnel-wise, Victor Locken, an underclassman, he had a great performance against Memphis in the loss. That was coming off three quieter games, ECU, SMU, South Florida. Uh, how has Locken been playing lately from your from your eyes and watching the games, and, and what do you see out of him? No, he's playing really well. He, he's getting more consistent. And from the moment he got here, everyone talked about his talent and his potential, but he needed to be healthy. He needed to get in shape and he needed to kind of firm up some of the just little things that, he, you know, in terms of being in the right spot, not reaching and getting in foul trouble. And you're starting to see that this year, even those games you mentioned where maybe he wasn't scoring double figures. He's gotten so much better as a, a rebounder and a rim protector. I think, you know, SMU game, he might have had six points on the road. He had eight blocks, including basically one that kind of saved the game for him down the stretch. So even if he's not putting up 14, 16 points like he has, you know, in a lot of games of late, he's still impacting the game on the defensive end. And that's what this this team needed him on both sides because they don't have a, a strong post presence in general, so a deep post presence. So to be able to throw him the ball in the post on offense and have him kind of protect the rim a little bit, get rebounds on defense is exactly what this team needed. And I think as you've seen him get more comfortable in that role, you started to see the team play a lot better. Uh, you know, against Houston, Houston's really aggressive on their ball screens. And, and we saw Cincinnati have a lot of success of you know running to Julius off some double screens, having Vic roll to the basket and get some easy dunks. And that's just an element of their game that they ha- they didn't have last year and they maybe didn't even have to start this season. And so he's been a huge part of some of the improvement and progress they've made. And he's definitely going to have to be a big part of this program moving forward into the Big 12. Yeah, Jared Hensley, a, a junior, Dan Skillings, a freshman, Locken, a sophomore, the rest of this team, upperclassmen for the most part and an ex- more experienced group. But you talk about going to the Big 12 and, and moving up and, and playing these teams that are competing for national championships. Houston, of course, in the AAC competing for a national championship this season, but the Big 12 is loaded. So 
My final question for you is, and we'll check back in with you here in a few weeks as we get toward the end of the regular season and in the conference tournament, but as this team builds toward next season, not just this season, but next season, what do you want to see in the next three weeks that would give you confidence as a Cincinnati fan? Hey, we can go in and compete in the Big 12. Yeah, I think you just want to see that general continued improvement of play. You want to see them get closer to that Wes Miller identity of being a solid defensive team and and having that kind of translate and jumpstart your your fast break, you know, uh, transition offense. And and we've seen it in moments, but I don't think fans you they can't focus too much and get too worried on like, all right, well, if you know we're struggling to beat these AAC teams, how are we going to do in the Big Twelve? You don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Next year will be its own challenges, and it, and it will be a challenge. Landers Nolly, who's the leading scorer uh, for this team, he he's able to come back next year if he wants to with that extra COVID season. And so those are some pieces that you say, all right, if we can kind of get them continuing to improve, continuing to gel together, add some of the recruits that, that Wes Miller has brought in, then worry about next year, Big 12, when you get there, but you're at least seeing the team continue to move in the right direction, and, and that's really what they need to do right now. Justin, as always, I appreciate it. Like I said, we'll check back in with you here as we get toward the AAC tournament. But for now, thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. Louisville will try to win their second game in a row on Saturday with a 2 p.m. tip-off against Florida State. Leonard Hamilton's Seminoles are having their worst season since 2005, the last time they finished under 500. Florida State is 7-16 this year and 5-7 and in the ACC. They've lost three in a row since their best win of the year over Pittsburgh and are coming off a 94-66 loss to Miami. Louisville already lost to Florida State by 22 back on December 10th in Tallahassee, so we'll see what's in store now at the Yum Center. The Red Hawks of Miami also play at 2 on Saturday, and they'll be on the road in Athens to play Ohio. The Bobcats, led by Jeff Bowles, have been very good the last two years, but have done a reset this year after losing a lot of talent on their roster. After winning a game in the NCAA tournament two years ago and going 25-10 and last year, the Bobcats are just 11-11 and this year and 3-6 and in the MAC. Miami is looking to snap their six-game losing streak in the first of two games against Ohio in the next few weeks. The 16th-ranked Xavier Musketeers tip off at 5 at the Cintas Center on Saturday night against St. John's. If you remember back in late December, the first meeting between these teams was the mic'd up game at Carneseca Arena that Xavier won 84-79. Now, Xavier will have to face a Red Storm team that plays at the second fastest tempo in the country without Zach Fremantle, meaning in a game that quick, Xavier will be relying on mainly their six-man rotation. St. John's has not been playing well lately, having lost three of four with the only win being a two-point win over Georgetown. I'll keep making the point that for Xavier to stay in the race to win the Big East title, they need to win their last four home games. That starts Saturday, and from there, Xavier will have DePaul, Villanova, and Butler at Cintas the rest of the way. Wright State is looking to rebound from last night's brutal buzzer-beating loss with a game at Robert Morris on Saturday at 7. Northern Kentucky also plays at 7 against the Penguins of Youngstown State, the beneficiaries of that triple overtime win over Wright State. This will have major implications for the Horizon League race. Northern Kentucky and Youngstown State, like I said, both tied with Milwaukee at the top of the Horizon standings. Dayton is on the road for a night game on Saturday, tipping off at 8 against St. Bonaventure on ESPNU. And Kentucky is the last area team to play this weekend, tipping at 8.30 on ESPN. 
This is a game Kentucky needs to win if they want to keep improving their resume to get in the NCAA tournament field. Florida is coming off their 13-point win over Tennessee, and the Wildcats beat Ole Miss by 9 on Tuesday. National Nuggets now. Last night, number 3 Houston rallied from a second-half deficit to beat Wichita State by 9, and number 9 UCLA beat Washington by 9. When you get to this point in the season, all of the Saturdays are good. So here's what to expect over the next three days. Not a whole lot tonight. VCU is at St. Louis, and Boise State is at number 22 San Diego State. On Saturday, in a rivalry game, number six, Virginia, goes to Blacksburg to play Virginia Tech at noon. Number eight, Kansas, is in Ames to play the 13th-ranked Iowa State Cyclones, who are looking for a bounce back after that blown 23-point lead to Texas Tech earlier this week. And speaking of the Red Raiders, they'll be in Waco taking on number 11, Baylor. Number 25, Auburn, is at number two, Tennessee, who just lost to Florida on Wednesday, that game I was just talking about. Number one, Purdue, is at Assembly Hall to play number 21, Indiana, at 4 o'clock. And then also at 4, number 10, Texas, is at number 7, Kansas State. The Big 12 always delivers. I feel like I'm always just reading off a laundry list of the best games of the night, and it's the Big 12 night in, night out, game after game. Number four, Alabama is at LSU, and in a nightcap you won't want to miss in the WCC, number 12, Gonzaga, tips off on the road at 10.30 against number 18, St. Mary's. The Gales are having a fantastic season and are currently seventh in Ken Palm and will likely be favored in this game, maybe even by four or five points. Sunday is a quieter day. Ohio State and Michigan is the only one that stands out, and even that will probably be ugly. Without the NFL and any big college games, take Sunday to reintroduce yourself to your family. The nation's longest winning streak came to an end at 20 games last night as Florida Atlantic lost at the hands of UAB, which means Paul's pick of the day presented by Betfred Sportsbook was a loser. You know the drill by now. I'll give you one pick for tonight and then project the weekend. For Friday, VCU and St. Louis under 141. On Saturday, Kansas, money line on the road against Iowa State. I know this is a tough spot. Iowa State is going to want to bounce back after that loss to Texas Tech. It's at home. But Kansas, I like that win over Kansas State the other day at Allen Fieldhouse. Give me the Jayhawks on the road in Ames. And then on Sunday, take Michigan money line against Ohio State. I'm going to continue fading the Buckeyes until they show me any reason to have any kind of faith in them. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend, everybody, and I'll talk to you on Monday.